podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. So I spent the week at the seaside where it was hot. We had a heat wave. Uh, that was exciting. And I did see two rugby league shirts while I was there. One Castleford and one of the Robborough Magic Weekend Leeds super shirt in a sandwich shop in Filey as I was walking past. So that was my whole rugby league uh, for last week. I didn't watch anything uh, until I got back because there's no in, there's no sky in a caravan. I mean, you could probably pay for it, but what did I miss anyway? I don't know. But I come back, Leeds have won everything. They're not in crisis anymore. Warrington are, which, you know, he's, he's, he's good to see. Uh, my team, Wakefield, playing a dilapidated um, hellhole, um, which apparently is news, uh, and the bottom of the table uh, below uh, Toulouse, who should be kicked out. I'm fully in agreement now. We should kick out all the <laughs> French teams. Get rid of them all. What, a, what an un- unedifying week um, during <laughs> which IMG are taking soundings about the future of the sport that uh, we've now got into another spat about what teams bring to it whilst external people are deciding whether we're a viable investment or not. It's like my other favourite debate, which is every time there's a game involving Golden Point, everyone's saying, oh, I don't like Golden Point. But then when, when the week's when it's not around, or, or say like at... Uh, uh, whatever Newcastle Stadium plays, Kingston Park. Kingston Park? Yeah. I've been there, I should know. It's 24 old. They don't have um, Golden Point in the Championship, and everyone goes, oh. I mean, I'm. I'm well, gonna... that, that, there are two things I don't understand about Golden Point, whether people like it or not. It's a debate we've had before. Um, I think there is some merit to it that, that sports should be about winners and losers. The only things I don't understand is if you have it, you've surely got to have it across all of the divisions. Otherwise, that makes no sense whatsoever. And the other thing is, why after 10 minutes would you then say a draw is acceptable? Either you play on until a team has won or lost. Um, you know, And I know that sometimes if that's a televised game, it affects the schedules. But there seems no point to say, oh, well, only 10 minutes of it and then a draw. That's fine. You can have a point. Yeah, as bad as uh, some of our teams are, at least they're not as bad as the Boston Red Sox, who lost 28-5 or something to the Toronto Blue Jays. So at least Toronto are winning at something these days. Um, but in baseball, the games can go on forever. In ice hockey, they go on forever, or doing the playoffs at least. Let's have just unlimited golden point. Um, but or, or not, or scrap it. I, I don't care anyway. Uh, Wakefield lost, Saints won, well done to them. I, it was quite a, a, a strange Sunday because I, I devoured so much rugby league um, starting with the women's nines at, I think it started at 10.30, 10.45 or something. So I had that on the telly. I was listening to Radio Cumbria's coverage of Wakefield Trinity versus Barrow in the, the Women's Super League 2. Uh, brilliant coverage, by the way. Really enjoyed the commentary. I thought it was very fair um, and really, really informative. I learned a bit. Apparently, if you're over 40, because Barrow must have a player over 40, then all your stats aren't recorded. Uh, in terms of how oh. meters made and stuff, I don't know why, but that's what I heard on the commentary. So it could be wrong, but um, but Barrow smash anyway. Uh, and then I, uh, I, I after the nines was midway through, I had to stick another feed on to watch Halifax London Roosters, who are now my team in the wheelchair, rugby league. So apologies, London, because you know now I'm supporting you. They, they lost um, in a great game there, which is very exciting. The Halifax were dominating at halftime. They went on to. Uh, Win narrowly in the end over the Roosters. Leeds had a hat trick of wins because they beat Wigan in the wheelchairs on Saturday, which you saw, which which apparently was another good game as well. 
Yeah, well, the Halifax one was a last-minute length of the field try, um, which, again, exactly the kind of excitement that you want. Great that it was on another broadcaster. Um, the sportsman carried their first ever ever game and, and got one that, uh, that clearly those people tuning in for the first time would have loved and enjoyed. Um, yeah, Leeds and Wigan have got a bit of a rivalry um, that they drew in the first game uh, in, the, in the regular part of the season. Um, really exciting, and 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 it looked like it might have been that way at halftime in the the match on Saturday. But uh, Tom Halliwell accidentally scored five tries on the bounce in the second half, and he was the ultimate difference between the teams. It was uh, again a really high standard. Declan Roberts absolutely superb for for Wigan, um, and, and Nathan Collins and Tom Halliwell in partnership, brilliant for Leeds. Uh, Leeds, I think, two points clear at the top of the table, but they now play Halifax next week. And if you're talking about rivalries in rugby league where teams genuinely dislike each other, uh, in wheelchair, it is Leeds and Halifax. Um, so that will be well worth either getting along to or trying to find a feed of. Um, and Jack Brown, who um, I think is acknowledged as the great uh, wheelchair rugby league player, uh, um, Man of Steel, uh, at least on one occasion, possibly two, emigrated to Australia. But he's coming back to... Um, playing the World Cup for England, which is fantastic news for, for England's hopes of winning it. And he rejoins Halifax and his debut will be this weekend against Leeds. So it, uh, it even adds uh, more spice to a game that, that go a long way to determine who wins the League Leader Shield. So much to offer in our most ex- inclusive of sports. Not exclusive, that's the wrong word. Most inclusive. Unless, you know, so on and so forth. Um, a, a cynical friend of mine, who's not a big fan of the women's game, apart from when he's making money off it, uh, <laughs> which he did on, on Thursday because he had uh, leads on the handicap. Um, his words, Hannah Butcher, she's a proper player. Um, leads beating Wigan 64-6 on Thursday afternoon. Uh, Georgia Roach. She was the star, I guess. She got the man of the oh. one of the match in the paper, not man of the match. She was she was absolutely unbelievable. And of all the um, Man of Steel points, Albert Goldthorpe awards, she her performance would rank against any. Absolutely dominated that game. Was was truly sensational in the middle of the field. And uh, uh, again, just just a slight rumor that maybe there is an NRL team watching her. Um, Good. Whether she would be prepared to go uh, or able to go, I'm not sure. But uh, that is the quality that she's playing at at the moment. When I saw that uh, Courtney Winfield Hill wasn't in the side, I was a bit, oh, but uh, no, and I need not have worried. Um, elsewhere this weekend, that was the only game in the Group 1, because obviously there's nines. Uh, Warrington beat Bradford 60-0. Fev beat Casford 38-4. And as mentioned, Barrow beat Wakefield 68 Four. I'm looking forward to Featherstone and Barrow at the Bash, which opens up Sunday, um, hoping to ask some big questions after the game of the coaches. I think uh, at least one of the coaches could, could answer a question for us. Uh, in the nines, York won the final 7-0, defences on top and the rain uh, in Salford. Uh, Tara Jane Stanley, who is the current well, I guess she's the front runner for the one man of steel, but we don't know how it's been voted on this year. So it's just people in the papers saying that and, and, and this programme. Uh, although we're also going to throw Zoe Hornby's name in there as well. Um, York beat Saints in the semi-finals 26-0. Uh, Leeds beat Catalans 23-7. Um, Catalans impressive in their wins over uh, Warrington in the uh, group stage, in a win over Warrington in the group stage, I should say. Um, but it was it was it seemed a good event to watch from TV again. I had the sound down for much of it because I was listening to the Wakefield game, but 
it, it looked good enough. Obviously, having the camera pointing towards an empty stand never helps, but York pick up a trophy. Congratulations to them. Hopefully, it's an idea that uh, is repeated next year. It seemed to be a good concept, and it builds year in, year out, and this, that, and the other. And, yeah, it's good. And some fringe players got some... Uh, Game time for Snuckles. And, and well done to Warrington as well, who had to put out the team there and in the Women's Super League as well for many and various reasons. So, you know, they, they may have lost their matches, but well done to them for doing that and showing that there's some depth coming through at the Warrington Club. I think you've hit on a point there, though. If we are serious about creating events, and it, it's as true of the Bash next weekend, it was of Magic Weekend, we, we clearly need to give it a sense of priority that teams shouldn't play at the same time as a nice tournament's going on. If we, if we quite rightly are lauding the fact that this is the first time that there's been prize money at a women's event, um, you know, let, let's fill the stands with people because they're not being dragged elsewhere to watch games that are being played at the same time. Um, so yeah, the scheduling of it, how you fit it into an overcrowded season. Um, if it's a concept that's got legs, then, you know, let, let's give it some some actual prominence in the in the fixture schedule and, and and see if we can get more people there and more excitement surrounding it. And unless the dates move, 7th of August, Leeds versus Saints, 28th of August, Leeds versus York, which, you know, should be another couple of big fixtures uh, coming up in the next uh, few weeks in well, the, the game- Race of Women's Super League title. Yeah, the game on the 7th is a doubleheader with the men as well. It's it's not on television, but that's a Sunday, which is unusual at, at Headingley. There aren't many games that are played on a Sunday. So you've got the uh, the women's game, I think, round about 12 o'clock and then the men against Salford, which, again, could be a really uh, key game to decide who's going to get perhaps six spot in in Super League and a playoff berth. So that should be a really, really big afternoon. Le- Leeds and Saints, women, um, you know, you, you'd pay money to watch that as a standalone um, go. If, you get, if you're getting two for your money, get along if you can. I mean, my plan is to go, but I'm not going to pay. I'm going to use me media pass because I'm cheap. Um, Leeds obviously beats Wigan uh, to everyone's surprise on Thursday. That was ages ago now. Um, Hull Castleford on Friday. What a hilarious game this was. Brilliant in discipline from both sides. Chris Kendall's uh, back pocket like a toaster. Liggy Sal just asking, why have you sent me off for hitting this bloke in the head? Why have you done that? Connor Wynn getting sin for acting like a spoilt child. I thought that was brilliant of Chris Kendall. Uh, less of that, the better. Uh, so, you know, that, that was good. Great performance from the Tigers as well. 38 uh, points without reply, mm. which, again, is to their absolute credit. Um, but you do wonder what is happening at all at the moment. All the questions that are being levelled at Warrington are equally applicable at the moment to, to hold it. I, I, I just don't think they know what their, their best side is at the moment. It's decimated by injuries in, in key positions. I, I'm not sure bringing in uh, too many lone players helps with the balance of the team. And then one of the players are fit. You know, Jake Connor just didn't seem happy at at standoff he he sort of made the fullback berth his own but but when you bought in Jack Walker and he'll only play at fullback how do you mix and match and they, they just look like they're in a spot of bother and vulnerable in that top six at the moment Cass look like they may well have cemented their place in the playoffs and we've got about five teams now vying for for perhaps one spot but you'd have to say Hull are vulnerable well Lee do us a favour stick the reserves out on uh, on Friday um I mean, two great tries from Hull. I mean, how uh, McIntosh put the ball down, I've got no idea. I'm not quite sure the video ref knew either. Uh, and Danny Houghton, which we didn't see, but great uh, opportunism uh, from him. But as I said before about... Well, Hull, funny it, that, that we, 
Well, I just say funny about the, the Danny Houghton try that you know we, we were all we saw it in reverse when Daryl Clark did it against Hull very early in the season. We were going, how can that possibly happen to a team that they all turn their back on somebody and uh, and there, there you are, Hull, Hull managed to to do it on somebody else. It's strange. I've said it before. You know, teams lose heavily. Said about Wakefield at Salford the other week. But if 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 it becomes a pattern, it's a concern. And Wakefield obviously have lost since then, but not by uh, such a big score. Hull consistently over the last few years have thrown in these big results. And forty six may not be fifty, but at home and as you say, conceding thirty eight straight points. That's. <laughs> It's a concern, and it, it can't be the coach because it's a different coach than the one before, and the one before, and well, the one who was there. Um, so something's wrong at Hull, but what it is, attitude, recruitment, this, that, and the other, I don't know. It's not as if, you know, Michael Shen has just come to the club. Gareth Ellis hasn't been in his role forever, has he? So it, it's it's well, a the, mystery, as Toya would say. And the academy team under Michael Shenton, I think, have only lost once this year, so... Clearly, he's doing a, a decent job in the uh, in, in in the area where he's making a contribution. So, yeah, I don't know what the answer is. I don't know if it's too many players who were bought um, and, and not enough um, is is allowed to germinate through the ranks. I, I I don't know. I think every successful team has that balance of locally produced talent where it means something to wear the shirt and adorned with some some top names from abroad to to bring the best out of them. I, I, I'm not sure Hull have had that balance right over the last three or four years, and I'm not sure Warrington have either. Now, the concern for Hull is not just the fact that they're now level on points with Hull, KR and Solver, who both won at the weekend, but their points difference is dreadful. Minus 107, leads just behind them by a point on 17 in the Super League ladder, a plus 15. So, I... I mean, I don't know what's going to happen this weekend, but um, that, that race for six is going to be fascinating. Uh, Catalans are edging out Huddersfield 13-12, uh, after which Steve McNamara got very upset. Uh, but, but an important win for Catalans, because they've been, let's say, wobbling. It's not as if they were going to miss out on the players, but you know, at least it gets them back on Le Cheval. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And uh, I, I think, again, Huddersfield have had that slight dip in form um, over the last two or three weeks, perfectly understandable with the injuries that they've had and uh, the, the the post-Challenge Cup final performance, which we've spoken about before. don't think that's going to do them any harm whatsoever. The interesting game at the weekend um, will be Hull going to Toulouse, because um, I think that while Salford deserve enormous credit for overcoming a pot- potential banana skin going over there this week in all the heat, um, we, we, you know, everybody knows that Toulouse really have to win their home games if they're going to stay up. And I think that was a lost opportunity for them when they, they looked at the month of July. This was the one where they could generate some points and maybe, you know, as they have, they've hauled themselves off the bottom, but they're not clear. Um, be really interesting to see what happens when Hull go there this week and the disarray that they're in. Um, psychologically that that could be a, a real boost for for Toulouse and a, and a huge blow for Hull or it could be the start of Hull season again um bad news to Hull KR today being fined for actions of some of their supporters um they put out their you know strongly worthy statement but again not much clubs can only do so much for, for people being idiots and, and worse so as we've seen it's 
the, sh the shame about that is that everybody has quite rightly been saying, you know, for a couple of years now that it's the atmosphere off the field is matching the mm. progress on the field. Craven Street's a, a great idea. Uh, more people are, are coming in and enjoying it as an experience. And then there still is a, a small core of people that want to spoil it for everybody. Should have just uh, had a pride day coming up and uh, saved themselves a couple of grand. Uh, in uh, the Championship Barrow... Don't, man don't mention that in Manly. Well, no. Well, man yeah, anyway. Uh, Barrow... Uh, Manly. Yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. Go, go down a slippery slope there, don't we? I mean, it's just a shirt. But, you know, we can't understand, can we? Uh, Barrow beat Bradford 30 points to four. Batley lost to witness, which we'll talk about in a moment with our guest. Uh, Fev beats York 30-22. The, 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 the Fev people, they're not happy, Phil. They're not happy because they're conceding all these points. They, they're they're going to lose to Lee this weekend. I'm going to predict that now because uh, I want to get Derek offside, because he, he might want to punch me or something. Um, so... Uh, <laughs> what an edifying thought that I'm is. Joking. I mean, I'll take five grand. I'll take the money. Um, but yeah... But, but, but Brian McDermott was always on the back foot with the Fev people because they don't like him. They don't, they don't like him there. Um, uh, I, I wouldn't get that race is, is definitely not run yet. Although I do think uh, Lockall Lamb is a huge mm -hmm. signing for uh, for Lee. I mean, clearly, obviously, there's the influence of, of going and playing for his dad. But but for the fact that he's got somebody called Sam Walker ahead of him at the Roosters, who just happens to be a, even more of a prodigy than he is, um, I think Lockall Lamb would grace virtually any Super League team. There's a dearth of halfbacks. He he would fit that bill. We saw him play for PNG in the mid-season internationals. He was absolutely superb. Uh, it goes back to a question that we've debated before, to which there is no answer. Um, should we really have players of that quality, not on television, playing in Super League on a regular basis? The concentration of the best talent should surely be in the best league. Can't blame Lee. Uh, they're trying to get promoted and build a team for if and when they are. Uh, but again, it's just another player who I think is playing in the wrong division. Um, speaking of that division, London beat Halifax 38-10. London, who plays Sheffield at the Bash on Saturday. Fabulous uh, result for London. Mm, they, they, not, they've not, turned a corner, so to speak. Well, again, the magnitude of it, because I think, was it uh, Halifax had won six in a row? Um, so, you know, and, and we're, we're really threatening mm. in that uh, the top three. Um, so that is a massive result for London and well done to them. Cause again, you look at their team and they have now got the next generation of young kids coming through. And, and London play Sheffield, who are playing midweek as well. So that might be a little bit of an advantage for them coming up on, on Saturday, uh, Newcastle 24 all against Dewsbury Sheffield beat Workington 64 four. Um, working to bottom of the table. It's not looking good for them. Um, you got to feel for Dewsbury though. That's a fantastic result. Um, and Liam Finn clearly is starting to have a little bit of influence at Dewsbury. And they just think, oh, we'll, we'll edge a point back on our rivals. And then, you know, London go and do Halifax. So, uh, yeah, it's not over yet, but no. you, you, you do feel that perhaps London is showing form and it's Whitehaven even get maybe dragged into the battle with Dewsbury. Yeah, Whitehaven uh, beaten by Lee 64 I mean, I am looking forward to the Sunday at the Bash because I'm going, but Whitehaven Workington, massive game there. Mm. Uh, the four o'clock kickoff. Uh, it fixtures on Saturday London, Sheffield, Bally Dewsbury, Bradford, Halifax, and Fev Lee. And on the Sunday, you've got Fev versus Barrow in the Women's Super League, followed by Barrow Witness, who obviously uh, witnessed on a bit of a resurgence on the John Keir. Uh, Barrow in their own little run going for those top spots. 
Whitehaven Workington and Newcastle versus York City Knights. Uh, League One, uh, Cornwall lost to Swinton 44-10. Anthony Mullally's retired again. He um, has. So. Oh, for good this time. You'll be able to read about that in the next issue of 4020 when he tells us what he's going to be doing. Uh, is it more surfing? Just a guess. Uh, mobile sauna. Oh. On, on top of a cliff. Felt like part, uh, that part, last week. Part of, a, part of a retreat. Um, Keithley beats uh, Midlands to stay unbeaten. 15 out of 15 in League One, 54-6. Can they um, win promotion next week? Um, I'm not sure. They're, they're six points ahead, aren't they? Um, I suppose depending on how results fall, they, w- they won't be far off securing promotion in the next week or two. Oh, uh, which is good for another columnist in the magazine. Uh, North Wales beat Hunslet 36-26. Rochdale beat London Scholars 32-14, coming from behind in that one. And uh, Oldham won at West Wales 38-0. This week in League One, Friday night, Hunslet Midlands. Uh, Saturday, London Scholars Cornwall at three o'clock in our league. At the same time, they're trying to get everyone to watch the games on Premier. And on Sunday, it's Doncaster, West Wales, Oldham, North Wales, and Rochdale versus Swinton. So, Keith, they've got the week off then this week, haven't they? They've got the uh, the bye week this week. Yeah, so they can't get promoted this week. <laughs> so they're not playing. Oh, good job I read the league table there, isn't it? Uh, that, that's, there was nothing else of major import happening this week on the field, wasn't there? I don't think it was. Uh, there was a refereeing error in the uh, Leeds and Wigan game. Um, and it's very rare that Steve Ganson Ooh. goes public these days, but also before they've had a chance to review the games. Uh, clearly, uh, Harry Newman diving through the legs of Ash Handley was deemed inappropriate. And the interesting thing about that was the process that it went through, that the referee on the field uh, thought it was it was OK and, and the video referee reviewing it um, thought it was OK. So it'd be interesting to see if there's any ramifications from that. I, I suspect he came out early and said uh, that should have been a penalty to, to stop players doing it over the weekend. So, uh, yeah, uh, shame because it, it was a great game and uh, clouded with a bit of controversy. Same old Leeds always cheating. There, but yeah, nothing like West and North Queensland. What, what's going on with the... I mean, this is what happens when you give the power to the players to challenge things. They can do it spuriously, and as it turns out, <laughs> change the result. Even when there's nothing to challenge, you can challenge it, apparently. If you haven't seen it, check on social media. There, there, there was um, rabid comment. Phil Gould was speechless. I mean, we well, don't... Not, not necessarily a bad thing. We don't know because he's blocked us, but he, he was speechless, apparently. Um, I mean, the NRL, they're all, they're all excited about uh, whether they're going to they're getting going to change the eligibility for origin again, which I thought they'd already changed. And everyone's upset because Victor Radley's coming to play for England. But I mean, it depends if Sean Wayne picks him or not. We don't know yet. He's in, I think, he's I think part the, of the EPU. I think the fact that that's been announced will tell you that Sean Wayne does want to pick him. Um, more, more interestingly, I think the, the Samoans who would have been eligible for Australia are, have all pledged to uh, their country of heritage. So, you know, it not, not that we, uh, we particularly don't want England to win that opening game, but it's, re- it's really turning into a, a must-be-at um, fixture with, with the likes of Luai and, and, and Crichton uh, and Toto saying that they, they're, they're going to be playing for Samoa. I mean, if that doesn't get 53,000 at, at St James's Park, I don't know what will. 
the transfer deadline's over, isn't it? That that that's gone now, hasn't it? I think. Yeah, the loan system has changed, um, so you still can call players back. You you can't then loan them out again. You still can loan some players out. Um, I think again that that's almost an admission that, uh, as we mentioned on numerous occasions, too many games this year, uh, too many injuries, too many suspensions. Um, so yeah, and I think there there is a danger that was it uh, Salford went to Toulouse with only nineteen players. Mm. Uh, a lot of clubs are naming only twenty instead of twenty one. Um, so yeah, the, we and we've got a double round still to come at the end of August. So yeah, the, I think somebody had to do something to to try and keep that player pool fl- fluid a little bit. And uh, Wakefield, of course, benefited with Jamie Shaw. Jamie Shaw, yeah. Uh, he chose Wakefield over Castleford. What a what a fine judge of. Uh, and who who, who plays who this week? No idea. Wakefield uh, play Castleford. He won't bad, get any stick, will he? No, it's, it's bad news though, isn't it? For uh, Kevin Proctor, who's the top story on the BBC <laughs> website right now, being <laughs> sensationally sacked by the Gold Coast Titans for being a Burke. He can't just pitch up at Warrington now because the the thing's gone. So he's going to have to, I don't know, do something else. Oh, poor him, but at least the BBC website hasn't picked up on the manly story yet. So you know, it's, it's it currently will. currently it's comedy man smokes and gets sacked rather than you know. Um, is is that all the news? Is that all, is that the news? I think that's the news. It, it's some news for it's, sure. It's the news I want to speak about. I don't want to speak about some parts of the news, but um, um, other than uh, Huddersfield's super secret signing, how did they keep that one secret? That was excellent, and I did, and I must say that the social media that accompanied it was was, said, was superb as well. Twenty on the video, yes, yeah, so we were second in. Yeah. Um, no, it was really cleverly done. Um, I, I think you know we'll we'll debate whether that's that's the signing that they hope it would be, and 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 you know whether that means Ricky Lutelli probably won't be there next year. Now, um, wonder where he might end up. I think I heard Catalan were interested in in signing him. Um, and, is it Samus only Lange out of contract? So uh, I, I suspect that uh, if they could get Lutelli to replace him, then uh, that would enhance their squad. So we'll see how it plays out. But yeah, Kevin Aguama, very left field signing, um, but done brilliantly, done absolutely brilliantly. Well, well done, the Giants media team. Yeah, I mean, it's an old adage um, from professional wrestling that the, the writers would make sure that the, the owners of the thing are on telly a lot because then they get happy. So, so as soon as they tweeted out that video that mentions pretty much everyone in the rugby league media, they were going to get all the retweets they wanted because if there's if there's any bigger group of egos than rugby league uh, media people, and I'm not sure, I'm not sure I've met them yet. Um, I, I don't know. but um, and, and they took the mickey out of Salford fans at the end, so that, that, was, that was funny. So, I mean, again, just just really well done. That that and that is the kind of rivalry that we want. And whilst um, you know, as we said, it, it not a great look for um, the spat that Catalan Huddersfield and ultimately Lee got involved in. Um, the next time that Huddersfield play Catalan, that's going to have massive spice attached to it, and that's what we want. Those are stories that we can all tell, and the outside world looking in on. Uh, interesting as well that Steve McNamara, who played for Huddersfield, mm-hmm. was um, was quite keen to bring that into his press conference post match as well. Two of them after Wakefield didn't pay him. Um, maybe we could get you know, the, do they still have those sumo suits? They were a thing we used to have <laughs> in the past. Get Ken Davy and Bernard Gouache. Now he's back. He's he's, he's unbanned. Get them in the sumo suits on the pitch before the match. 
Well, haven't we got the the, the Zorba balls at the, the heading layer at yeah. half time? Yeah, get them in one of each of those. Get them on loan. Ken, Ken and uh, Bernard in in their balls, bashing into each other. That's I wonder the kind what of Ken wants to see. I wonder what Ken thinks about it because clearly he is still. Well, I know. thought you were going to say about the uh, the current uh, leadership debate. <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> I don't want to know about that. Don't want to know. The, but clearly he is the, the you know the the interim chair of of the Super League board, and yet. You know his his club and saying we don't want particularly two of the clubs in the competition that uh, are currently in there. It's, it's just wherever you look, it's it's not great. I thought the colander, the sieve, if you will, had been uh, taken away with Robert Elston, but the leaks are back. It's good to see that the more things change, the more things stay exactly the same. Which is well, where would we be without the fan? I mean, where would where would rugby league be without? Constant infighting and nonsense. We'd probably be um, a major sport. Oh. At least we're not cricket. So you know that's uh, oh cricket Scotland. No, don't go there. I want some tickets to go watch Yorkshire today, which is a good job I didn't go because A it was in Scarborough, B it's rain from us, and and B Yorkshire I think were fifty for six at one point. So hundred and fifty odd for eight, I think the last yeah. I saw. I tell you, you know, as 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 much as we criticise rugby league, and everyone does, I was looking to go watch some cricket in August, and there's no there's no county cricket on. It, it's the hundred, and and it's difficult to. I'm sure there is some county cricket on, but it's not the county championship. That's off now until September, which of course is a notoriously sunny season where there's no rain or anything. So, you know, as as bad as we can be, we're not can, as bad as cricket. Can I raise a point here? about scheduling. This Saturday, there wasn't a huge amount of live sport. Uh, It's one of those fallow weekends where the tennis has finished, the open golf has finished, football's not due to start till next week and then the week after, uh, British Grand Prix's gone. There aren't too many live events. Hats off to the darts. That looked like it was absolutely fantastic. We've got two games on Saturday night in France, both of which have massive implications at both ends of the of the table, and we can't get a feed for either of them. Uh, that that is known as shooting yourself in the foot. Remember when we we're going to have cameras at every game and everything. But the stupid thing is, you you're watching on social media to see how these results unfold, and within seconds of a try being scored, the Betfred feed has got the try in sufficiently good detail for you to say, why isn't that a YouTube stream? Or, you know, can we not get that on somewhere somehow? So, again, uh, you know, we shoot ourselves in the foot. What happened to games on YouTube? And, and, and why weren't the nines on YouTube? I know they're on our league, but, again, we're hiding it behind a, a wall that people might not find. Not saying it wasn't good coverage or anything. I'm just saying we're just hiding things. If, it, if we're putting money into something, give it to the biggest possible audience. Well, I think that's a very good uh, argument uh, for the bash as well, which it'd be interesting to ask our, our forthcoming guest about, because again, I think the danger is all, if all you ever do is preach the converted, what's the point of actually doing it? It's interesting how people change their minds when money's involved for years and years and years. Barry Hearn has said that, you know, the PDC darts is an open to open to everyone. And, uh, Lo and behold, when some money comes around and women's sports in the agenda uh, in the SNC, they, they, they create a women's event and it was on telly yesterday afternoon and everything. It's amazing how that works. Yeah. Funny that. And and I think he's relatively successful, isn't he? As a promoter. Yeah, fairly, fairly. Now, Probably now, so, someone someone might be worth listening to. 
possibly now now somebody who's certainly worth listening to and is successful oh look it's professionally awesome. i like that what a segue oh no. uh it's craig lingard who is the coach of batley bulldogs fashion icon mm. and has uh, dressed up for us to talk about their forthcoming extravaganza in leeds and life just in general at mount pleasant so you listen to him now uh, enjoy the weekend of rugby league uh, we'll be back next week with another super special guest to talk about the 13 stroke nine stroke six perhaps aside uh, code and if you've got any wacky suggestions uh, craig lingard there's obviously now the new peter fox in terms of coming up with ideas so and and the notorious hat wearer I'm mm-hmm. going to shut up and, and we'll, we'll listen to Craig because he knows what he's talking about. And as you'll see from some of my questions, I ain't got a clue. The, the big uh, disappointment, Craig, is you've turned up and you've actually dressed dressed up for us as opposed to being on the TV. <laughs> right? where, 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 where's the hat? Where's the vest? What's going on? Hey, I've got me, uh, where are we now? I've got my hat in my bag somewhere. Uh, I've got no flip-flops on though, my footwear's still off. Oh, I've lost my hat. Yeah, it's in my bag somewhere, is my hat, you know. In the Batley Club shop. Oh, there we go. Look, how's that? How's that for you? <laughs> no, are we expecting you know all the Batley fans at Headingley on Saturday to be wearing said headgear? Is that is that going to be the, the theme of the afternoon? Well, I, I told I told club to get get some uh, get some club ones printed off, and I'd wear one of them and see see how many they could sell. But I don't think all's happened as yet. Uh, uh, it certainly it certainly kicked up a bit of a storm. Anyway, I got my, I got more comments on me uh, on me on me, me, me no flip flops than we did on the win. Well, I mean, as he's unfortunate with this program, whenever we get someone on, something's gone wrong. And unfortunately, <laughs> you didn't win at the weekend. What, what happened against Witness? We're obviously on a, on a bit of a resurgence at the moment. Yeah, no, witness, witness were very good. You know, we can't take anything away from witness, and, um, and they they manage the the pitch and they manage the conditions really well. Um, I've watched the game back today, and I think in that second half, it was twenty minutes into the second half before we even got to play the ball in witness's forty meter area, and that were our last tackle play, and we kicked the ball and got penalised for being offside. So it weren't a it weren't a great uh, a great second half from us. Witness they dominated all all that field position in the first twenty minutes of second half, and. We just didn't do enough in the first half, and it's as simple as that. And you know, witness came, you know, really well prepared and, and carried out the game plan perfectly. So no complaints from us on the day. Witness were, were, were uh, very worthy winners. It's almost as if the witness coach knows the lie of that land in some way or other. It is, yeah. I don't know. I don't know where he's uh, where he's got that experience from. Uh, it's, yeah, it, what a, a a real. You could tell it was a real a, a real typical uh, John Keir team performance in that second half and. You know, the the, the arse that they've got there, uh, Matty Smith and Danny Craven, really intelligent and been around around the block a few times, haven't they? And they carried it out to perfection, you know. So you've got to take it off to a team that, that come and do a job on you. Um, and I, you know, I mentioned to our players before the game that as well as we've done over the, the last couple of years, our home form's not not the greatest. We've, we've won less than 50% of his games at home now in the last two years. So we've played 21 games at Batley over the last season and Three quarters near enough now. We've we've only won ten out of twenty-one, which is a bit worrying for us, really, because we need to manage the game a little bit better. Um, um, I think teams do come prepared now to play against us, and you know they, they come switched on. They know that we're going to give them a we're going to give them a battle, we're going to give them a game, and teams come really switched on. And and uh, I think they're a bit, a bit like us, really. And we go away from home, I think our mindset's a little bit different. 
um, and we tried to approach our own game more of as an away game this week and unfortunately didn't quite happen for us. Which is odd, really, because you've got one of the most unique home venues in the whole of rugby league. Um, if anything, you should be playing to the advantage of the nine oil. You should, yeah, uh, you should, and it's something that we that we try and do. It's something that we, you know, we're conscious of, and um, maybe because we we play there every other week and we train there three times a week, it's 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 less of a of a unique feel for us, and it becomes more of a uh, more of a normal feel for us. Um, and the other teams coming there, playing there once a year, they they fully know what to expect, and, and maybe they switched on to it a little bit more than what we are. Uh, but it's certainly something that we need to need to be better at. Uh, and we've got a few more games this season at home to try and do that. Fourth in the table going in to the uh, summer bash this weekend at Leeds, and I guess that's uh, not a bad position to be in, especially with the, the two teams at the top of uh, at the top of the table seemingly buying anyone they can uh, week in week out, or up until the deadline at least. Yeah, um, yeah. Good luck to them. You know, it'd be nice to be nice to be able to do that. But it, I think we, there were a stat come out this week that we've used the the, the least amount of players of, of any any club in the top two divisions. Uh, you know, so it shows that we've got we're quite loyal to the players that we've got. We've not brought anybody anybody in on loan. Um, we don't do a dual reg with anybody. Um, so we, we we've got what we've got and we use what we've got, and it's it, it's it's served as well so far. Um, it was a good season for us last year, finishing where we did, and it was always the, the challenge for us what, to uh, see if we could replicate that. And, and so far, we have done a um, little blip last week against Widnes, but hopefully we can get back on the horse this week against Julesbury. But not going to be a, a, an easy game against them. You know, they, they got a, a good uh, draw at Newcastle this week, and they're fighting for survival at the bottom, aren't they? And it's an heavy one derby as well. So you, you shook all them things into the melting pot, and it's not going to be an easy game. How have you found the season so far, especially with, with the TV games? Obviously, playing on a Monday is a, a different thing for a semi-pro side rather than teams in Super League who are full-time. What's it been like trying to balance and get everything ready for those games? Well, we've only had two Monday night games so far. we played one against Lee, which was obviously a difficult one for us with our guys that were, uh, as you say, working uh, all day on the Monday and then having to prep for the game on the, on the Monday night. Uh, Lee being full-time wouldn't, wouldn't have had that issue. Um, but Lee are fantastic team and they, and they absolutely destroyed us on the day. And again, we're very worthy winners. A um, little bit more similar with us in York uh, last Monday. You know, two part-time teams and, and obviously well, part-time teams will have people at work and having that prep uh, prep issue of of work before the game and, and, and the heat as it was. It was I think it was a very good, very good game. Uh, and luckily for us, we, we managed to win that game um, and, and get, a, get a couple of points kicked out over, over York. We've got... Couple more games as well on TV. Uh, we've got uh, it's a Jewsbury this week. Jewsbury again on a Monday night, and we've also got Halifax on a on a Sunday evening, which is the the third game in eight eight days that we've got over this next coming week. Yeah, and the fixtures are out in the in League Express. Today. It doesn't mention that um, you're playing Sheffield midweek. Is uh, yeah, how do you cope with that kind of a schedule? It's difficult. It really is difficult. And so with with the squad that we've got, we. Uh, we've got quite a few players out on loan as well at the minute that we we want, want people to get game time. We don't want people sat on the sidelines and not playing. So, you know, we've got a, uh, we've probably got maybe 21, 22 players uh, that we're running with in, in, in our squad at this, this moment in town. So it's going to be difficult. Um, three games in eight days is a lot to contend with when you've got, you've got work in there to consider as well. You know, so our, our rehab process is, is guys getting up at six o'clock in the morning going to work. So it's not ideal, but I think the, the part-time part-time players just crack on with it. You know, I've got I'm full of admiration for the the, the way that the players 
prepare themselves the way that they play and just the attitude, just, just crack on and play. Uh, we try and look after them as much as possible. We're such a short turnaround. You know, there's very little training that goes on. It's just a case of get the guys in, uh, do a little bit of prehab, a little bit of rehab. Anybody who needs needs to be seen by the physios will be seen by the physios and it's pretty much turn up and play. You know, so we'll we'll do as video work as preview and, and review. But in terms of the the work that the guys do on the field in between them games over such a quick turnaround, it's very, very minimal. Do, do you reckon that that's one of the reasons why you have successful, that you keep the squad relatively trim, um, that you look after them, that they've, they've been intensely loyal to you as a coach and the club as well over the last couple of years. Is that your USP? Yeah, I think you've got you've got to have that that loyalty, and you can't just chop and change. For me, you can't chop and change a massive amount of your, of your squad year in year out. You've got to have that consistency. Um, obviously, budget dictates that, and your retention ret- uh, uh, dictates that as well. So, uh, we made a, a, a real solid play to retain the majority of our squad last season to try and replicate what we did, and we managed to do that. And, and so far, we are managing to do it. We know it's going to be difficult year on year. Because whenever we're doing well, people are going to come sniffing and we know that we're going to lose players uh, year in, year out. So it's about maintaining, for me, between 80 and 90% of your squad and then adding on top of that as well. Because then you don't want a lot of players leaving at the same time and, and try and regenerate your squad with eight, eight, 10 new players coming in every year because it's really, really difficult, is that? So if you can if you can just re- regenerate with maybe 10% of your squad, 15% of your squad, uh, you maintain that consistency and it's a lot easier then for, for guys to come in and, uh, and, and make, make their mark in the squad rather than just doing wholesale changes year in, year out. But as I say, sometimes you can't control that. If somebody comes in from a different club and offers one of your top players top dollar to go somewhere else and play part-time rugby, you can't, you can't really stop them. We can't compete with that at the minute. Um, but the reason why I think why players, players are loyal to Battle is because it's a great club. You know, they looked after really well from top to bottom. Um, whether it's a sport or whether it's whether it's, whether it's uh, the chairman, the coaching staff, whatever it might be, the, the players are looked after well. They get what they get what they promise. They get it on time, and and, uh, and we don't keep people there no longer than what they have to. We know part time rugby is what it is, and people are working. So I'm not going to keep people training till half past nine, ten o'clock at night. We'll, we'll do what we need to get done. If it's eight o'clock, if it's half past seven, if we don't what we need to do, the guys can go home and, go and spend the time with the family. And it's about creating that that togetherness, creating that enjoyment, and 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 generally, if you do that, then people people will remain loyal. And, and, and luckily for us, we've had a lot of really good players that have remained loyal to Batley over the years that could have could quite easily gone elsewhere. No, no trip to to Blackpool this year. The Bash is heading to Headingley. Um, you've read about it in the current Forty Twenty magazine, which is I've got here. Yeah. Around, uh, I, I like the description of it as uh, meh. Um, I've been to them all so far, and, and, I, and I have to say, I'm, I'm, as much as I, I like Headingley, it's a great facility, and the, the media facilities are better than at Blackpool. It's not quite going to the seaside, but I don't have to go and put a team out there on the pitch or get a team prepared there. As a as a, a venue, I guess, well, you're playing Dewsbury. It's not the, quite the same as going to Blackpool. It's still a, a trip, but not as long a trip to Leeds. What do you make of this weekend coming up and a, a different kind of summer bash? Yeah, as I, as I mentioned in in the call, I'm not a I'm not a massive fan of of of, of, the, of the concept as a whole. I think that um, I don't I don't think it looks good for TV when when you're seeing a lot of empty spaces there, and and, and it's a long day. You know, the, the way that society is now, it's, I, I class it as a microwave society. Everybody wants something happening now, want, want it quick. They don't want to put something in slow cooking and let it develop over a long period of time. They want something now. They want something quick. They want something rapid. 
And having four games over one one particular day, it's it's a very very long day. You're not going to get everybody sat there for for the for the full amount of time. So um, I think if you are going to do something as a concept over a week, and it needs to be something different, it needs to be something short and sharp and and catchy. And we don't we don't promote it anyway. You know, I've not seen any adverts out there for the for the for the summer bash really, apart from on the the normal social media streams that rugby league fans follow. And we're not we're not looking to attract the, the rugby league fans that come week in week out. We're looking to looking to grow the game, expand the game, and the only only way you're going to do that is if you go to the, to a different audience. And I think as a as a sport as a, as a whole, we can get better at that, and we need to get better at that at getting the message out to a different audience because we're just not doing that, and we're not we're not advertising the bash at all. And we, I can pretty much guarantee we won't get any non rugby league fans coming to the bash this weekend. Yeah, it's not. It's not. Um, as I say, Headingley's great, but it's not the same kind of destination as Blackpool. If you're a, a Batley fan or a Jewsby fan or Lee or mm. whatever, you can go there for the whole weekend. There's, there's more to do for mm. people in in Blackpool than there is uh, around Headingley. Again, no disrespect to to Leeds mm. as a city or Headingley. Blackpool's completely different. You, you, you've suggested something like a, a six aside tournament. I mean, Phil's a big proponent of nines sevens before six six mm. aside rugby something just completely different as a more like a, a more i guess of, of a festival kind of atmosphere yeah like i, said, I think people wanting something short and sharp now the, the attention span of people now is 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 very very short and you look at other uh, other sports <coughs> excuse me the concepts that they use particularly cricket now with the 2020 uh, even the one-day games now seem seem a long format of the games. So they've got the 2020, they've got the 100. You know, so they're, they're, they're trying something different and exciting and some people like it, some people hate it. But I just think as a as, as a sport, we've always been good at pushing the boundaries and, 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 and looking at different things. And I just think we need to do something a little bit different now on these these showpiece events. But get whatever we do, we've got to advertise it better. We've got to try and promote ourselves to a different audience, to different different companies, different commercial venues out there to, to try and try and grow the game in a different way. You know, so if we can't get people to come to watch a, uh, an 80 minute game, can we get them to come, come to watch a different format of the game? And is it going to be more exciting and, and more, uh, more profitable, promotable for, for outside organisations, outside companies? I think the other side of that is it's something we said about the, the Magic Weekend. It seems absolutely pointless having other fixtures on at the same time as you're trying to promote the bash because mm-hmm. that means that the League One fans and, and the Super League fans, some of whom are playing at exactly the same time, can't possibly take a, a, a buy-in to, to your event. The bit that I like the most about your proposal um, was the fact that you said maybe we should have squads of 12 and that should be made up of players from across the three divisions. Um, so everybody's got, a, if you like, a new team to support in a new concept as well. I know you said it's not a fully formulated idea, but is that the kind of road we should go down? Well, I'm, I'm just thinking of something different. And again, it's a little bit like the 100 format of, of cricket where you, you, you're you bringing something completely different there. And I know people might might, might uh, liken it to the merger, mergers that were proposed years ago, but it's not. It's, it's just a completely different format. And if, for me, if you have... Uh, a Super League team, a Championship team, a League One team come together as something completely different. You'll have three three sets of supporters from three different teams supporting one organisation or one one team. Um, as I said in the in the proposal, you'd, you'd have to have two people from each division on the team at the, at, at, at the same time. So you're having that buy-in. You're not having four Super League players and two Championship players on the field. You've, you've got that that sort of cross the board uh, involvement there, but. When you're doing that, you've got to have the the financial capacity to do that because teams aren't going to release their players to play in something like that unless there's 
the insurance there to, to compensate for players' wages if they get injured in that format. You know, so again, it's going to be something, if it did come in, you'd have to finance it. You'd have to get outside organisations coming in to, to give some big prize money there. So that prize money could be shared across the board and make sure that, that clubs are compensated if any of their players get a long-term injury when they're playing in that competition. And I know something else you've spoken a lot about is you can almost predict where teams are going to finish in the championship by the distribution that they get or the money that they've got to spend. Um, you, a number of years now, have, have had full-time teams in what is effectively a part-time division. Um, and mm. I know, again, it's something that you've spoken about in the past. You'd like to perhaps see Featherstone and Lee promoted and no relegation from Super League. Because more than anything, you feel that would make the championship uh, an even more competitive division. Yeah, I'm not saying no relegation on Super League. I'm a big promote, a big believer in promotion relegation because if you haven't got that, then what's the point in playing? Um, what I have said is that I think for me, the way that the game is at the minute, the only, there only seems to be at this moment in time, I know there's other clubs that are, that are working to get there, but at the moment in time, there only seems to be Lee and Featherstone that have got the financial constraints to survive in Super League or to put a competitive team out there in Super League. But to give them a, a good opportunity to survive, I think, if, if we went to a 14-team Super League, for me, you'd have to give two years grace of, of, of relegation to the team so they could, they could put a, a competitive squad there um, to, to give it the all the, the, in that second year. And then any, any teams outside Super League, they've got two years then to put their plans in place for when the promotion relegation comes back in. And then I also think that any team that gets promoted out of the championship have, have got a, a year's grace as well. So if, you, if that team finishes bottom, then the team that finishes second bottom will get relegated out to the championship. Because I think by the time the team from the championship gets promoted, unless they've developed a squad that's competitive to go into the Super League and survive, they've not really got access to the players to be able to sign them. Because by the time they know that they've got promoted, the majority of players are already signed up anyway. You know, So they're going up, going up to Super League potentially with the players that they can only sign from the team that are getting relegated from Super League. So it's just... You're just going to continuously, continuously generate that yo-yo, yo-yo team going up and coming straight back down again. So I think for any team going up, they need that year's grace to be able to again have that have that potential to build a little bit of stability there to be able to survive. And then the second year, then they're open to relegation once they've had that that year's grace. And you, we've seen the signing of Lachlan Lamb um, this last week for Lee, another great signing for the Centurions. Does that motivate your players that they're going to be coming up against somebody like him? Um, clearly, most Super League clubs, if not all, would would deem him to be, um, you know, of the quality perhaps to play in their sides. Does it demean mm. your competition, or does it inspire? I don't think it demeans the competition. I'm, you know, I, I'm certainly, I'm certainly not against any any team bringing the best quality players they can over here because the better quality players that we've got in the competition, the more eyes are on there. Um, you know, as as a as a coach, you want to come up against the best coaches in, in in the sport. As a player, they're exactly the same. They want to test themselves against the best players and see where they are. Um, it's 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 very very difficult as a part time player. So when you when you're working 35, 40 hours a week, and some people are, are, are on their own business, they're working even longer hours. It's very very difficult when you're getting up at six o'clock in the morning and, and working all the hours, and then come up against full time players who've maybe had a little bit of a a foam roll and a stretch and a spar and a so on and whatever else they have on a on a game day through the week. So it, it is difficult. It's not a it's not a level playing field in terms of play, playing part-time against full-time, but everybody's got the opportunity to be full-time. And it's down to the clubs to make sure that they can be financially viable to be full-time. So there's that option and opportunity out there for everybody. At this moment in time, there's only, there's only Lee that the, the, uh, and, and Newcastle, I believe, in our division that they're out and out full-time teams. But everybody's got that opportunity if they're generating their own, their own funds. Um, 
So it's, it's it's difficult to compete at times, but it's, it's it is a level playing field whether you like it or not. You're you're second on on Saturday. I know you've got a game before, so it's not as if you can concentrate on this yet. It's one of those uh, great great things. But I'm going to ask you about a game before you've played a game before it. I'm lost myself. On paper, <laughs> you're you're so far ahead of Dewsbury without using any cliches like you know throw the form book out the window. It's a derby. What what are you expecting from the Rams on Saturday afternoon? Well, they're fighting for the life, aren't they? You know, they they need at least two wins to get above. Uh, uh, I think it's uh, is it Whitehaven now? Yeah. I think London went above Whitehaven, didn't they? So they need at least two wins to do just to, just to get above them. Um, I'm not sure what the points difference is. It might be three wins, uh, you know. So they're running out of games to get them wins. So they're fighting for survival. So we're expecting them to throw the kitchen sink at us. So it's you know it's hard to avoid cliches when you're talking about an every and every and Derby and they're fighting fighting for survival and we're coming off the back of a defeat and we need to get back on the horse and all the other the other stuff that you can throw out there as well. But it's uh, it, it, it's a game. It's eighty minutes. It's seventeen blocks against seventeen blocks. So we can't go in that thinking that we're fourth. We're fourth on the table. They're second bottom. So we're going to win the game. If we do that, we're going to get beaten. Do you ever go into the bash and think, "I wish we were playing somebody else"? Because it does seem to be. I think it probably has been every year that it is Batley versus Tuesby. And I remember one year, um, Scoey was uh, apoplectic with how bad the game was. I think it was the last game on the Sunday one year in Blackpool. But not that you'll care if you win. But do you ever want to play somebody else in in, in one of these showpiece events? Well, this is, this is my first bash. It's, I've, I've never been there before, you know. So it's, it is my it is my first bash. So, um, at, but again, I'm not I'm not a big believer in the bash because it's uh, I'm not a big believer in loop, loop fixtures. Sets, let, let, let's say because it doesn't give a fair reflection of of, of the league format, the league table. Because Featherstone are playing Lee, so Featherstone are at a disadvantage. Lee are at a disadvantage. You could say with the league tables this year, we're at an, at an advantage because we're playing a team that's second bottom. And Jules got a disadvantage, so I, I think a league table should be based on you play everybody home and away, and you don't play somebody three times and, and, and somebody twice. I don't think it's fair, uh, and that's why I think if we're looking at a different concept for the weekend, a different a different format of the game or a different showpiece event, you're still getting getting out there for, for fans to have that experience of a, a showpiece event somewhere different. I know we're talking, you know, the big game of the weekend is probably the one the final game on the Saturday between Lee and Featherson. But as it turns out, the big game of the season could be in a few weeks' time in the playoffs when you, once again, take on a Featherson Rovers side who you uh, had quite a good uh, result against a few weeks ago. We did, yeah, but we're not going to necessarily be guaranteed to face Featherson, are we? Because if we finish in the top six, if we finish third to six, then we've got to win a game to play Featherson. So we're, we're not getting any, we're not getting ahead of ourselves. We're not even guaranteed the top sixes yet. So I'm certainly not looking looking that far ahead to play play against Featherstone. So again, I'm going to chuck a cliche out at you one week at a time. <laughs> I'm just always looking far too far in the future. So you are, the yeah, you are. In, in terms of identity, which is something that perhaps the sport needs to refine at the moment, um, and I know IMG are going through a consultation process. I would very much hope that they're asking people like yourself what, what your opinions would be. Is it safe to say that Batley have got one of the uh, most established and understood identities of any team? That The other thing, apart from players being loyal, is you know exactly who you are, you know who your, your target market is, uh, and, and everybody within the, the, the whole of the, uh, the club from the chairman down appreciates exactly who you are and what you're looking to achieve. 
Yeah, I think I think so. It's also a strength is also as weakness, you know. So our our strength is is who we are. It's that we are a, a very loyal club. We are a very family orientated club, and we and we look after what we've got. But within within that, we've not got that broader appeal. So sometimes we need to look out look out and try and attract the bigger sponsors, the bigger market, uh, which is difficult for us to do based on where we are. Um, and it's that chicken and egg scenario for us. Do we pay? Do we pay somebody to come in and market the club and, and, and generate that, that sponsorship and take it off the playing budget? Because if we do that, then that's going to impact on the playing budget. Or do we do we just say, well, we'll just carry on doing what we're doing. Hopefully people will come through the game because we're winning games. Now, that's not working for us. You know, we, we finished fourth last year. We're fourth in the table this year. Our attendances aren't growing. And our our supporter base is, is getting older, older and older. You know, so we need to regenerate our support base. We need to, we need to get younger people coming in. We need to get maybe get away from rugby league and, and, and make more of, more of a, an event on the day where the rugby league is secondary. Because we, if we can get if we can get people coming through the gate, people will spend money. Um, and it's not always about the rugby league. So we, they're looking at other ideas to try and get people coming through the gates either either on game day or away from game days. But it takes time to do that. Um, and, I, and I think it's maybe highlighted it more over the last couple of years because. The, the club are having to find more money because we're winning more games. Whereas before, because they'd maybe win 50% of their games and lose 50% of their games and they'd be surviving mid-table, it's, that, that business model's been okay, but now it's not because we're winning more games. Plus the distribution money's gone down. If we'd have finished fourth the year before last, we'd have got £400,000. We finished fourth last year, we got £124,000. So it's a massive, massive difference in budget is that what we've got to, what we've got to try and find. Um, and... And it's a little bit, it's a little bit of a worry for the club, to be fair, because if we want to keep challenging, we've got to find the money from somewhere, and we can't find that money based on the on the small and very very loyal supporter base that we've got. And the demographic of the town has changed as much as any um, in the north of England. Again, how are you changing your appeal? Bearing in mind that the traditional Batley public, again living on your doorstep, isn't the one that the club grew up with. No, it's not. Um, I know the, the the foundation do a lot of good work in the local area, and in, in terms of uh, trying to connect the, the the different different communities in and around Batley now. But again, that doesn't generate to people coming through the turnstiles, um, and we've we've not got the money there to to employ people to go out into schools to try and generate the uh, the income coming in because it is that chicken and chicken and the egg scenario where. If we take the money away from the playing budget and give it to people to go out and do the community work, there's still no guarantee that then people are going to come. Um, and me, me as a head coach, I want as much money as I possibly can to get the best players that I can get to 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 perform on the field. Uh, so it is it, it's it's something that the club's going to have to do away away from the field. My my remit and my job is to put a winning team on the field, which at the minute we, we've been doing over the last 18 months. And um, you know, so I know the chairman and chief exec they're looking at other ways to try and generate income and try and generate extra funds coming in but it's not a quick fix and it's something that might, might take a little bit of time but time isn't what the club has got at the minute final one from me because time is running out on us as well um how do you feel when you're linked with other coaching opportunities so to speak does that reflect well on yourself and the job you're doing at patley well i guess it does that's a silly question yeah it does it makes me laugh as well because people i think i've been i've been linked with or been guaranteed every single job that's going this year that's come up in, in, in one way or another um and i've i've not i've not applied for any other jobs and no other clubs have, have run me about any other jobs as well so it's, it's just that normal them normal rumors that go around there when uh, when jobs become available and i suppose when you've had a little bit of success like we have had over the last couple of years it's it's always inevitable that your name's going to get linked with with positions that are out there um 
And again, I've made no secret. I want to I want to coach at the highest level that I possibly can. And I think I think a coach has got a certain time frame at a particular club unless you keep keep regenerating every 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 two, three, four years, which is difficult to do. Um, you know, so there's going to come a time where uh, myself and Batley will have to part ways one way or the other. Either they'll get rid of me because we'll have a bad season next year or, or I'll, I'll move on. But uh, as it stands at the minute, I'm fully committed to Batley and, and I will be over on there. Excellent. Well, I'd say enjoy the next uh, couple of weeks, but it's going to be really busy. So uh, enjoy it as much as you can do uh, against Sheffield and against against Dewsbury, uh, obviously, at, at Leeds on on Saturday. Uh, best of luck for the rest of the season. And no doubt, well, A, Phil will be speaking to you again for the magazine, but we'll no doubt catch up with you again before the end of the season, fingers crossed. Yeah, hopefully it's been a pleasure. Podcast Network.